Hi guys, today we have a special guest. We have Sam from HubSpot. Thanks for joining us, Sam. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I see you're in some kind of a van. What, what's, the, what's the score there? <laughs> yeah, so uh, my wife and I actually live, uh, live in a van, a converted van, uh, full-time, traveling the country, hitting all the, the classes I teach and the events that I speak at. So right now we're outside of, uh, outside of Las Vegas, Nevada for a, for a conference on Sunday. Oh, that's great. I mean, looking at your resume, you've been a busy, busy man over the last six years. What have we got here, Sam? <laughs> you have... You're currently a marketing fellow. You've been the head of HubSpot Labs. You've been the head of e-commerce at HubSpot. You're also an instructor at Harvard. Yep. And you're at a, you wrote a best-selling book, How to Sell Better Than Amazon. Busy, busy man. All from, all from the back of a van. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the van thing's relatively... Oh, shit. Oh, I think your audio's playing up there, Sam. All right. That's great. We, we like a bit of drama. There's nothing better than live TV. <laughs> oh, this is, why, this is why live TV is fun. This is also why video is always fun, right? Because this is why. This is fun. Yeah, I like this. For the folks who are just listening on the podcast, we could have played this off with just perfect, uh, <laughs> perfect uh, uh, you know, pretending it didn't happen. Um, but yeah, you're right. I've done a bunch at HubSpot. Um, I started off uh, as one of our onboarding and services consultants. But, uh, you know, we were and still are a startup um you know so titles are sort of meaningless because everybody does a bunch of different things uh and what you do changes really really quickly i mean i think i've had like you said like eight jobs or something in total of six years at hubspot um you know and titles titles like matter externally really like so that people have context for who you are and what you've done uh, but internally at HubSpot, it's a, it's a much looser organization of just figuring out what projects need to be done and who are the best people to work on them Ah, fabulous. Uh, really good. Um, we are podcasting at the minute, Sam, as you know. I dropped you an email. It's mm-hmm. our fifth one, and I know you've been heavily involved with the podcast at HubSpot. Have you, um, what's your take on podcasts? Uh, so I'm super stoked to see podcasts having sort of a, a renaissance or resurgence. Um, it, it's, for me, it's my favorite form of content, right? Like I don't read books. I listen to them on Audible. Um, I don't even read the newspaper anymore, thanks to Audible channels. Um, I get to have like Fleet Cooper reading me the Wall Street Journal uh, every morning. So like, I don't, I don't know to do that. It's just audio is just like a better, more natural way to communicate. Uh, you know, we had to learn writing uh, as a as a species, but we we knew speaking. Like we figured that out like after working at each other for a long enough time. Um, so podcasts are good. It's also like. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing an experiment right now. I'm working with a company called Interview Valet, um, where I'm doing like a, a podcast almost every week. Uh, I'm, I'm being interviewed by a different podcast almost every week. Um, their thesis or their hypothesis is that leads will convert at a much higher rate, right? So like if you are a guest on a podcast or if you have somebody who listens to your own podcast, uh, you're going to like convert a ton more leads. And it sounds reasonable because those people are, you know, spending 20, 30 minutes listening to you ramble on. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I love the medium. I love the technology. I love the conversational style. Um, my job, I, it, that's actually not on my LinkedIn, by the way. Uh, my job prior to HubSpot was I had, I hosted a talk, an AM FM talk radio show um, about scotch and cigars. <laughs> uh, so I, I would like smoke and drink all week. And then for two hours every Saturday, I talked about it. Uh, and the podcast just format just reminds me of that a lot too. So, you know, it's, I, it's something I enjoy. 
That's great to hear. We kind of do a similar thing. We finish work, our podcast called Inbound After Hours. We all grab mm-hmm. a beer. There's a bar downstairs. We sit there, drink beer, and just talk marketing. There's no real yeah. script, and we found just just not having a script, just going for it. We get some real good content. Just one edit as well. Yeah, that's the, yeah. that's the best way. You got to like keep it flexible, keep it loose so that you can, uh, especially when you're interviewing somebody, right? Like I might say so. like assuming you didn't already know I lived in a van, right? Like you might pick yeah. up on that and then like, oh, it's like an interesting thread. Let's like pull out this thread about remote workers in, in the yeah. world or something, right? Like uh, who was it? Uh, Muhammad Ali or somebody who had the quote that like everybody's got a game plan until the first punch is thrown. Yeah. Same thing for interviews, you know? Yeah, you're, not, you're right. I mean, um, as, I've, as I've said to you in the email, our listeners are marketing professionals and we found it really difficult to start a podcast through fear of judgment and thinking we needed 10 grand's worth of kit. Um, it's not the case, is it, nowadays? What, what tips have you got for guys out there who are thinking of starting a podcast? Uh, so my most important tip is the same one that I have for any content. Um, my team is super tired of hearing me say blogging is like jogging. Um, but it's like, it, it would be like, I'm not going to go jogging because like, I'm not ready to be an elite world-class runner. It, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Like all you have to do is like go outside and like fall in a generally forward direction for like half an hour a day. Uh, and you'll get better at it. Um, and also like you're worried about disappointing an audience of, no one generally, right? Like you have, you have no subscribers. You have, no one's listening to your podcast. Like you're like your mom, your friends and your colleagues are going to love you no matter how bad it is. Um, so start creating the content. Even if, even if it's just like, just like you said, like sit down with some people, record a conversation for an hour, edit that down to 20 or 30 minutes, uh, you know, and, and get better at it. I, I have a phrase for everything that we do, especially at HubSpot labs. Um, that I stole from our former VP of growth, Brian Balfour. It's not, it's not about being the, being the best. Uh, it's about being the best at getting better, right? Like by definition, especially in this so much change now, right? Like this, the pace of change is insane. Um, there's so much change that the idea that you're already going to know everything that you need to know to be successful is completely gone, right? Uh, Deloitte has great research on this. Um, the, the average life, uh, the average value of what they call a knowledge stock. So a piece of knowledge has gone from 20 plus years down to about five years. So whatever you, you and I know right now, we can expect to monetize that, uh, in the market for about five years instead of 20 years. Um, and because of that, like, we just have to get really comfortable with doing stuff that we don't know that well, uh, because that's the future of all of business is not, like who's the best at doing this thing. It's going to be who's, you know, it's Darwinian. It's who's the most adaptable to change. Yeah. We, we did our six podcast last night and we went live as well on Facebook live for the first time. So that, that was really scary for us. Four to five of us was doing this, was really nervous yeah. for the first three minutes and we forgot. We absolutely forgot about it. Started chatting a couple of beers later, the hour was soon, soon over. It's just doing it. It's just execution as we keep saying. So good tip. Especially, especially with, you know, the beer and stuff like that. I'll, I'll tell you my, my secret for, for any of that, especially when I'm feeling nervous, when I'm giving a talk or, or anything like, you know, I've, I've, I give probably like 60 or 70 talks um, a year, but the, the key is like, I don't memorize them because I, I want it to be, I'm not good enough as, to, to memorize all my speeches and I want it to come off authentic. I, I just nailed the beginning. 
right? Like nail the, nail the beginning. Like uh, when you're first starting to talk, it's the same thing on a podcast or, or, or anything else like that. Uh, and then the rest is just going to flow like a normal conversation. Right? Like you and I are going to have a great conversation for the rest of this. Uh, even though like in the very beginning, like I, you know, dropped my camera and everything else like that. Because once you get past that, once we're already talking, then it's just, it's just it's natural. It's just natural, yeah. I mean, I try and I try and always set three or four basic questions, and then the rest, the rest is just natural. Uh, one, yeah, I mean, one thing I want to speak to you about is um, inbound.org. Uh, obviously, reading your profile, and I was recommended to speak to you from Dan Tyre, who's a sales director of Spot. He speaks highly of you, as I've said. Um, what's what was your um, part in, part in that in the early days? Yeah, I, I have some good Dan Tire stories, by the way, if, if you want to listen to those later. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, so, so inbound.org um, originally actually just started as a side project between Ramesh Shah, at, at, who is the co-founder of HubSpot, and Rand Fishkin, who's the co-founder at uh, Moz, um, formerly SEO Moz. Um, because just like the, the world of marketing, the community of marketing didn't have a home, right? Like we had a couple of LinkedIn groups and, you know, there was, you know, a couple of different events and stuff. Um, and they decided like, we really needed like a home where people could have profiles, where they could network, where it was built at for specifically for marketers. Um, and so they, they built it, but it, it, obviously there was a need because it really quickly got too big for like. Darmesh and Rand to manage like part time with their, you know, like they hired, they hired like a, a college intern and stuff like that. Uh, it got too big for them to manage. So they, uh, they decided to switch it over to like just one company was going to own this site. Um, and it, it turned out to be HubSpot because frankly, we just had like the resources and the time and stuff at the time. Like we, we were, you know, a little overhired and they had me not doing much there. Apparently I wasn't doing anything interesting. Uh, so, they, so they figured we, we would take it over um, with, with the, like with the understanding and agreement that like, if you notice to this day, like there's not really HubSpot logos on that site. No. Right? Like it is, it is a community. It is a site for the community that we fund and that we manage, uh, but that we don't monetize. Like you can create a profile there and you do not have to worry about a HubSpot sales rep calling you um, because our, I'll tell you this, like our biggest challenge in the market to this day is not like somebody building a better software. It's not somebody building a cheaper software is the fact that most people in the world still do marketing the, the old way, right? Buy a list, spam it three times a week with a coupon, email marketing, right? Or just, you know, cold call or whatever. Um, we, we've shifted very much to like a rising on our, on the marketing team, very much a, a rising tide raises all boats philosophy, or if we can just get, this is actually my job now. This is why I speak at all these events, why I teach at Harvard and USF. It's because we can just get more people doing good marketing. It's like, like the, the easier part of this challenge is to be the best software for it than it is to, to change the, uh, the 30 or 40 year old behaviors of 5 million plus people. Yeah, I was on there yesterday and there was around about 233,000 members. And that was only yesterday. I try and go with there at least once a week i mean it's, it's growing rapidly um what, what's the goal there's a goal line i can't remember what that is it's half half a million or <laughs> well so the goal line i mean goals are good right yeah. but it's just going to change every time right so like the goal when i was there was a hundred thousand uh and we and we worked really hard for that and then you know in this day and age what happens when you hit your goals they get doubled 
Uh, so <laughs> the yeah. previous goal, I think was like a, was like a quarter million and, and that's going to be a, a 500,000. And I guarantee you when we hit 500,000, that goal line is going to move up, up to a million. Um, because it's not something that you're happy about until you've got like, until you're creating value for every single marketer in the world. Um, it's not something they're going to be, they're, they're going to want to stop, right? They're going to, they're going to want to keep growing that because the, the community is this, this cool thing where it's not about the software that we build, the engineering team at inbound.org is like three people, three or four people. Wow. wow yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, it's about like getting more people in because it's those connections between users that is what drives the actual value. Like you don't care about, you know, us replatforming over to like a faster stack or something like that. Uh, what you care about is that you have like a good conversation, good experiences and you can get your questions answered. Um, you know, when you go there. So, that's, that's going to remain the big focus is how do we get everybody in there? Because every single person that joins the site adds like more than plus one in terms of value for everyone else. You, you've mentioned um, Harvard a couple of times. You're an instructor at Harvard. How, how would you end up doing that? And what's it like? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll tell you how I ended up doing it um, is I, I, I'm a big believer in that when you, when you are younger, you should do a bunch of favors, right? So you, you have a surplus of time. So do a bunch of stuff for free um, just to like get better at it. Yeah. Uh, and when I first started at HubSpot, I was, I, I mean, I was in my, in my twenties, but you know, that's not that old. <laughs> um, I, and we, we get all these requests from teachers at Babson and Boston university and stuff like that. Just to have somebody come out and talk about what is this inbound marketing thing? It was still new back then. Right. Uh, there weren't inbound marketing courses like there are at colleges now. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I was teaching at, uh, or I was guest lecturing at uh, Boston University. Uh, and there was a woman there who also taught at Harvard. Um, and she's the one who introduced me uh, to those folks and said like, you know, it's because the, the thing about it is like, I love Boston University undergrads. Don't get me wrong. Um, but they don't have the context, they don't have the experience, they don't have the, uh, and also, frankly, the motivation, right? Like, yep. I, I would be in class, and I'm like, you guys are just, like, killing time. Like, this is just, you thought this was going to be an easy elective uh, with the social media class or something like that, like that, and now I'm asking you to do, like, math behind unit economics. Um, because, like, you know, it, it sounds, like, all fluffy and lovey and stuff when we talk about inbound, but we wouldn't be doing, like, two MIT nerds, Brian and Darmesh, did not start HubSpot um, because just of, like, a good, happy feeling. Um, they started it because there's solid math. Like, the, the acquisition and retention and monetization economics behind inbound marketing and sales are just better than anything else. Right? Like, a dollar into the machine just gives you a better uh, return on investment. Um, and so I went over to Harvard and started teaching, uh, not to the undergrads, but in their division of continuing ed. Um, which is awesome. I love that so much more um, because the students are existing practitioners. Right. right. So I'll have like a VP of marketing at Pepsi and like a VP of marketing at, at McDonald's in my last class. Um, and these are people who, um, who are smart and the, frankly, the class is not that cheap. Um, so they, you know, they're, they're spending a lot of money. They're taking a week out of their time, um, you know, and they're highly, highly motivated. Um, and they have, and they just because it's, it's the Harvard name just attracts such a diversity. It's such a, 
fantastic conversations, right? Like a lot of it, yeah, is like, I'm going to tell you the framework and I'm going to teach you the strategies and tactics and everything else like that. But a huge amount of the value just comes from like the person at Coca-Cola realizing that she can learn a lot from the agency team at Toyota. Yeah. Right. Um, when we sort of facilitate that framework. So yeah, I, I love it. Uh, I hope to keep teaching there as, as long as they'll let me. Um, and frankly, it's, it's such a cool feeling, right? Because what we do, you know, people who have been in marketing for 30 years did not necessarily go into marketing thinking there would be a bunch of math. Uh, you know, and it's, it's amazing for me to see these people who have like never measured the ROI of their marketing in any way whatsoever. By the way, a third of marketers in the world today don't measure the ROI of their marketing in the world uh, in any way. Um, to see them go from that to drawing, you know, uh, customer acquisition cost and customer lifetime value funnels uh, with percentages and, and points of leverage and anything, everything on a whiteboard. Um, it's, it's a really, really cool feeling. I, I love that moment when they first go up and start doing their, their exercises. So I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I hope I get to te- keep teaching them. No, that's great. It's, it's giving back and it's nice to know you do that for free as well. So well, well done. Yeah, it's great. Um, we, we're actually, um, we're over in Boston in about 38 days to, um, to do a podcast with Brian. Brian Halligan has accepted that. Okay. So we've, uh, we've booked flights, so we're really excited to get over there. And I won't mind touching base with you after this call and see who else we could, uh, we could jump on the podcast while, whilst at the head office there. So yeah. that's great. Yeah, thank you. Um, what else have we got then? Um, yeah, let's talk about, I mean, it's a generic question, but we always like to ask it. Leading trends in inbound in 2017, what, what should marketing professionals be doing? Yeah, my... Um my big trends right now are I'm torn between half the people in the world are like hyperventilating way too much about like AI and machine learning and half the people in the world do not understand nearly the impact that it's going to have. Um, and like what we're already capable of, um, you think of, we, 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 we have to start thinking more of our marketing services, like product managers think of their products, right? So you look at um, the, a blog, generally you're going to measure things like visits. Maybe if you're like super smart, you're going to measure like first touch lead attribution. Uh, I would rather see people shift to thinking in terms of like daily and weekly active users. Okay. Um, and thinking in terms of uh, user acquisition and retention, thinking of the marketing we do, actually more of like a freemium product model. Um, because inbound.org actually is the most clear case of this because it actually is software. Yeah. But the same logic that we have for inbound.org, where it's getting people to come together, getting this recurring value um, that, we, that then drives them uh, up the monetization chain to using free tools and then eventually into using paid tools or whatever. Um, that's like the way that I want people to think. Um, and the cool thing about the machine learning bits is that the websites have gotten good enough so we don't have to play games anymore, right? You know, we, the, Google, for example, right, with RankBrain, it's gotten good enough that I'm not, I'm not trying to spam the system. I'm not, technical SEO still does matter, don't get me wrong. Um, but it's not, it's not about that. Right. It can look at a piece of content or even a video or an image and understand like the meaning behind it. Uh, and now that we've crossed that barrier, marketers can go back to being creators uh, that, that they want to be, right? Like we want to create cool stuff. Um, but we've been serving, it's, 
for the last 10 years, our content has had to be able to be understand, understandable by like a one-year-old. Uh, and so that, that one-year-old would then go, like, go tell other adults about our content, that one-year-old obviously being Google. Yeah. Um, now, now it's like our content has to be understandable by like an eight-year-old or something, right? Like, so we're, we're moving up the chain and that's only going to get better um, to the point where if, if when Google and Facebook and everybody else makes it so that they understand what we're doing the same way maybe like a teenager might, um, it's going to be really, really cool because they're going to be able to find you not for like, you know, morning inbound podcast broadcasting from room, right? It's going to be like, what's the, I, I, need, I need to listen to a podcast to help me talk about the future of work. You're going to be able to say that and it's going to be able to spit out like, this is the content for you. So that's, that's very, very exciting. So stay focused on the users. We, we have the luxury to stay focused on the users now because we don't have to write for that one-year-old. Um, and then also we need to redesign our market, the way we look at marketing um, and blur those lines a little bit more between marketing and the stuff that we sell um, and start thinking in terms of, of user retention. Um, it's, a, it's a dirty secret in startups, but you can actually outgrow churn for a while, right? Like if you and I wanted to just launch a startup today, uh, I could go sell accounts faster than customers could cancel them. Even if we had a pretty terrible product for a while. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but really quickly, you're going to hit a plateau where I can't sell accounts as fast as people are canceling. And then, then we can't grow. Um, and I think the world of marketing, particularly inbound marketing, particularly content marketers have reached that point where whether it's podcasting or on, this is how we track our medium blog, by the way, thinkgrowth.org okay. um, is looking at cohort retention and looking at um, in our case, weekly active users um, to make sure that we're delivering consistent value and we're building a habit that, that we can then uh, monetize long-term. So retention, lifetime value, customer success, that's, that's the way forward. Okay. Can, can, can we touch on AI? We've just come back from uh, the partner summit in Dublin and they, they touched on it slightly saying this is the next era of AI, but that, that's about it. What's, what's your knowledge at the minute? Where are we and where, where are we going to be? So again, like, I, like I, I'm not worried about like Terminators taking over the world. God. Um, <laughs> but, you know, what, what Watson has done, once we cracked the barrier between being able to ask what we call natural language questions, so just a normal sentence, yep. um, of a machine that could understand unstructured data so, un so structured data is like a spreadsheet, right? Uh, where I just say like, hey, what's in cell like A14? Uh, and the computer can tell me. That's actually how all software is built. What's recording us right now, everything else like that is just a really complex series of if, and, or, but, then statements. Um, what Watson did, you know, and it's actually an old trick now, is being able to understand not like if, and, or, or but, but like be able to read content or unstructured data and then answer questions where there's not a clear answer, right? Like when it's playing Jeopardy, it's giving a confidence level. Um, now think about how many, how much time we spend working with like answering the same stupid question over and over again. Don't get me wrong. I love our customers, especially the people who use the free products, but like the buttons there, right? It's in the lower right hand corner. Like you didn't need to call me to figure that out. Um, they should, and they will soon be able to, just ask like the software, ask the computer, like, hey, how do I do this? Um, Google's uh, doing this well with uh, Google Sheets already, right? Like you should, you're gonna be able to just say, hey, generate me a, a spreadsheet of, you know, last quarter's sales figures or something like that. And it should do it automatically based off the data. It's like freaking magic. Great. Um, 
yeah so like so we've we've cracked that unstructured data bit and then from there like the sky is sort of the limit um in terms of you know how do we take how do we take what a human would do and add a force multiplier of a hundred x to it I wouldn't mind actually at a later date probably setting up a, another another call with with a couple of my colleagues as well over a beer sure. and talk talk more about AI. If it's something we're really interested in as well. Um, I've, I've got beer, but I think it'll be. Uh, I mean, it's seven a.m. my time, so I, I don't know. Well, whatever. Hell, I'm in Vegas, right? I'll start drinking beer at seven a.m. Twenty four seven. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I've um, doing some more research on you. Touched on this earlier. One of the recent blogs I read was sixty percent of marketers still don't measure their marketing in any way crazy i mean <laughs> it's, it's an old that's a slightly old statistic uh yeah. I, i'm heartened because that has come down to one third of okay. marketers don't measure their uh their roi in any way um yeah that's horrifying yeah. like not 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 you know one third of marketers are using the wrong kind of attribution or one third of marketers are using only like visits or something like that not at all like they're, they're they haven't caught up to the fact that we are part of a measurable customer acquisition and retention engine, right? Like this is the, the business model. We're, we're one half of the customer acquisition costs. Um, and that, you know, for a hundred years, the discipline of marketing was sit in the corner playing with crayons, right? Like making uh, brochures for the sales team. Cause that's all we could do. We didn't have the technology to measure marketing. Um, all we did was like, we had a little like post hoc ergo propter hoc, right? So like <laughs> after our marketing, somebody bought stuff. So we're going to assume that it's because of our marketing. This, this was a hundred years of our discipline. Um, and marketing is falling victim to what the whole world is going to fall victim to, which is that the big shifts are not going to happen slowly anymore. Right? So like the industrial revolution was this huge shift but it took like a hundred years and it didn't happen everywhere at once. Now we're facing changes where like the, the people who take my class, you know, it's some of them have 40 years of experience in marketing. They're far more seasoned marketing leaders than I am. But like the last five years, five years have completely changed what they need to know and be able to do to be competitive in their markets. That's insane. Right? Like we, it's, that's, that's not the way that we've designed our education. Right, like you go to college to learn everything you need to know, and then you do that thing for forty years. Uh, it's not. It's it's not how we've designed our careers. It's not how we designed the businesses. Right, like we used to literally name our businesses after what we did. You know, General Electric, Standard Oil, that sort of thing. Um, now I, I can't imagine somebody choosing a name like that just because the fundamental nature of everything in the business model has to be built around adaptability. Like, can I survive change? HubSpot. We have to we have to be willing to accept that HubSpot may not even be a like internet technology company forever, right? Like there can be nothing that is the the so called sacred cow. So yeah, it's um it's it's a great time great time to be alive. It's it's you know there's that old curse, right? May you live in interesting times, uh, curse slash blessing, right? Like we live in very very interesting times. The pace of change is incredibly fast, um, and uh, we 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 get the privilege of trying to keep up. Yeah, I remember when I was at school many, many years ago, and um, we we had um, we always knew what we wanted to be. I knew I wanted to be a graphic designer back then, so I went to design school, then going to marketing, and we went on work experience at 15 year old here in the UK. And now I've got 11 year old daughter, and every, every year the same. The children in five years' time, they're not sure what they're going to be with, with, with the speed of technology. It's one of the reasons I have a great deal of respect for what they are doing at Harvard. Um, mm -hmm. 
is that, that requires a fair bit of humility for them to say like, listen, we don't have the, the academic staff um, who can like just look at the way things have do- happened over 10 years and create these models and like just continue passing on this knowledge. We've got to pull like all the stuff that I learned about marketing in college. I mean, some of it's foundational and will never change, but like very, very little, like the, the, the ad buy stuff and all, completely irrelevant today. Um, and so like what they're doing is pulling people out of the field and bringing them back in to, to teach. Um, and I think that that's, and then the, the really funny thing, by the way, is I also take classes at Harvard. Uh, so you know, I take classes at Harvard extension and then I teach classes. Um, because again, like the idea that I, everything that's in my brain right now, I'm going to make money off of it for maybe the next five years. Yeah. Um, if you believe the, the, the research from Deloitte, which, which I do, it's, it's excellent research. Um, and so that means that if I want to have a living beyond five years from now, and I, I, I do, uh, you know, I've got to, uh, I've got to adopt, adopt this mindset of continuous improvement, continuous evolution. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Can we touch on before you go, have you got time? Have you got another five minutes, Sam, or sure. how are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. Can oh, we touch good. on the e-commerce side, head of e-commerce at HubSpot? Um, we obviously know it's not an e-commerce platform, but how, how is that tied in and what work did you do there? Yeah. So HubSpot used to have experiments and our, our experiments were persona based, right? Because our entire company is not oriented around um, like division or something like that. It was, it was oriented around um, who are we selling to? So we've got like the mid market segment of the company uh, with its own sales team, its own marketing team, its own um, services team. Um, and then what we did in experiments was test new ones. Right. So like, could we sell to, and that, that was my job was I said, I was in charge of saying, are there new segments that we can market to? Um, like, can we market to franchises? The answer is no. People who run franchise businesses, we were not able to market them. We killed that, that unit. Uh, and then one of them was, can we market to e-commerce companies? And uh, it turns out, yeah, it turns out we really, really can because e-commerce is just takes what a B2B business does and does it at scale. Right. So it's not like one human being selling to one human being. It's you have one sales rep and it's your shopping cart. And it's, it has to create a personalized uh, value added educational experience for a hundred thousand people a month. Right. Um, but the, the, the mechanics and fundamentals are still the same, especially because we in the B2B space and in the SaaS space are big believers in the business model, the customer cent- of customer centric economics. Right. So Starbucks is my favorite example for this. Starbucks, uh, transactional business like you might have for anything, uh, average order value of six bucks. And in most e-commerce worlds, you're going to focus on average order value, basket size, abandoned cart rate, these sorts of things. Yep. Arvix has an average lifetime value of over $14,000. Um, Kissmetrics did that wow. study. Wow. Uh, I, did, I redid the same study for HubSpot, by the way. Uh, the average HubSpotter has a lifetime value to Starbucks of over $30,000. Wow. Uh, just because we have lots of meetings and stuff there. Um, I used to joke that it would be worth it for them to park a barista in our office to serve us coffee. Uh, <laughs> that joke's not funny anymore because we went public and we actually do have baristas in our office that serve us yeah, coffee. There we go. Um, but, you know, so if you're a Starbucks marketer, you're not trying to spend like $2 to sell a $6 cup of coffee. You're trying to spend like 2000 3000 maybe $5,000 to acquire and retain a $14,000 customer. Um, and it turns out that inbound marketing is uniquely adapted to that specific problem of how do I acquire somebody 
not just to like buy once, but somebody who's going to be a good recurring long-term customer. Um, that's the real challenge in e-commerce right now. That's actually super shameless plug. The premise of the book, how to sell better than Amazon um, is Amazon has all those right intentions, but they're trying to be everything to everyone at the same time. And so they fail a lot. Um, whereas if you're really, if you know something, you can be better at educating your prospects and keeping customers. This is like the one truth that we have is if you're really good at keeping customers, you can spend more to get customers. If you can spend more to get customers, you can out leverage your competitors in growth. We will put the link to your book in the show notes below. Would that just go straight to your Amazon account or is there any other particular <laughs> web address? No, no, we're happy to do that. No, the, the irony that it's, that it's listed on Amazon yeah. is not lost on me. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. That was thanks, thanks to the publisher. And I, yeah. I do get a little kick of, of it yeah. every time it's on Amazon. Sure. Yeah. Amazon has to pay me a royalty. Yeah. Uh, no, you, you can go to inboundcommerce.com. Inboundcommerce, um, yep. Yeah, and that has more resources that has some articles and some videos and stuff that sort of summarize some of the key points from the book. Right. Um, and by the way, case in point, um, you know, with how, how quickly things change, there are already like Facebook features and, and companies that I reference in that book that are gone now. <laughs> so, you know, like um, the, the fun, like I said, the fundamentals are still what I think is important, but uh, yeah, the pace of change is, is, is incredible. When was that published? Uh, it was published three years ago. Three years. Okay. So book two coming out soon, do you think? We got time? <laughs> uh, the, 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 the folks at HubSpot keep telling me I need to write another book, but uh, that's hard, man. That's hard. Like, you know, to sit down and do like, you know, 85, 100,000 words. Um, I do it the same way you did, by the way. I, I, or the way you do your podcast, which is I, I have a cigar and I have like a glass of scotch and I just narrate um, yeah. using dragon, dragon dictation. And then I go through and edit it. Um, because like, I feel, I think a book should be more like a conversation between the author and the, uh, and the reader. So Great. I don't know, maybe I'll try again. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Just time. Um, what's the plan for you now, the future, the next 12 months, what's the plan? The next 12 months for me, uh, I'm going to keep teaching and we're going to keep traveling. Um, we are hitting, we should hit 49 States in, in the U S unless we decide to fly to, um, to, uh, Hawaii but we're rolling out a really cool series. The, 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 the website's not live yet, okay. but in like a month, go to samfromthevan.com. Um, I think what, what a lot of people, in, including maybe the HubSpot marketing team, has lost touch with is these real like, human stories of like, people who do marketing every day. Right? Like sometimes if, if you're on inbound.org, if you're following the HubSpot blog, um, it feels like if you have that one like really good looking friend on Facebook whose life <laughs> is really, really successful, yeah. it makes you feel really crappy about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I see like, like, I don't, I don't actually want that. I, I don't like the workout videos where the person's like all ripped and like muscly and stuff like that. I want somebody who's like a little pudgy and who looks like me, but cause it's, it's plausible, it's attainable. Um, and so while I'm driving around the country, what I'm doing is I'm collecting these like real human stories about the people who actually do the work every day. Yeah. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I love our quote unquote thought leaders in our industry, but like, you know, when was the last time you actually managed a marketing team? Um, you know, for a lot, a lot of the, the thought leaders in, in the country uh, or in the world. And so I, I want to get out there and I want to tell the stories of people who, who like are generating leads for their sales team, but the sales team refuses to call them. That's a, that's a real story because the sales team only knows the cold calling process and that's what they want to do. 
So that's what's next for me. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to do that series. It's going to be fun. Yeah, sales and sales and marketing alignment. Dan had me saying schmarketing. Is that that's the right word? He had me marketing, repeat yeah. repeating several times. So that's something you're going into. So good luck with that. You'll be working closely with Dan then on this and David or. Uh, yeah, so Dan, yeah. The, I, I ran into Dan because I was in Phoenix, I, I, uh, and he lives in Phoenix. He was one of our exactly. early remote employees at HubSpot, um, and Dan is, Dan is hysterical. I'm sure if you had him on the show uh, last week, he was, he was a lot of fun. He's very high energy. Um, we actually once made an app where you could just press a button, and Dan Tire would motivate you. <laughs> uh, I just like recorded a bunch of like things that he said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like I'll be working with Dan. I'll be working with everybody. Um, the cool thing about being the size we are right now there's there's some things i miss from hubspot being like a small tight-knit startup um but like there are some really cool advantages like we have awesome podcast and video and narrative and brand editors at hubspot now um so that it's not just like me broadcasting from my phone yeah. like real support so i'm going to be working with the marketing team um in addition to dan and everybody else um to make to make this really really cool Sam, thank you very much for your time. I really, really enjoyed uh, this conversation. I could chat to you all day. So I'll, I'll let you get back to your next destination and uh, keep in touch. And once we've uh, transcripted this, we've got it edited, we'll send you a link as well, see what you think. Okay. Wonderful. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. This is a great conversation. Take care then. Have a good day then. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye then. Take care.